The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Hello, everybody. Welcome. So grateful you're joining us here. You might be joining live on 1150 AM KKNW in the Seattle area transformationtalkradio.com from around the world, or of course on Facebook Live on my professional page, as well as Transformation Talk Radio, or one of the dozens of podcasts this ends up in after the fact. Um, But wherever and whenever you're joining us from today, so grateful you're here. And I'm grateful for the people behind the technology, Mr. Benny Mathers at KKNW. Hey, Benny. Oh, wow. You said that with some authority. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) And Jacob at TTR. Hey, how's it going? Good, thanks. You know, I'm really excited. I've got a a quick announcement before I introduce our guest. Um, You know, if you're a close follower of the show, you know that I did a wonderful interview with a certain person um, who is an authority in her own right. And we got censored. We got kicked off of YouTube and poor KKNW suffered for a week. They weren't allowed to live stream for a week. <laughs> so, so, but, you know, I think that truth is so important. And I'm really grateful that I'm a part of a, the teaching team at a new online academy. It is called the Online Academy of Divine Knowledge. And I know that TTR, Transformation Talk Radio, at some point, they'll be able to put up a link um, to this. And I'm also going to be doing an Instagram live after the show if you want to learn more about it. But I'm so grateful because I think that in order for us to make decisions, we need to get exposed to all aspects of truth. We need to be able to hear, to see, to understand, and to process in. It's our right to like face that and process it ourselves and make a choice based on that. So. Anyway, I'm going to be teaching about uh, the vibration of change, which I know some of you have done in-person workshops, but you're going to be able to get it online. I'm also going to be sharing the censored interview on that and some other wonderful things. Plus, they're amazing teachers. Uh, They are who's who in in the industry of science, spirituality, consciousness, UFOs, all sorts of stuff. So anyway, Academy of Divine Knowledge, and at some point, Jacob will put up the link. Anyway, I'm really grateful to have our guest to, here today, and she's like on the other side of the world, so it's, it's morning here in the Seattle area, and it's evening there in the UK, and I'm talking about our guest, Anna Parker Naples. You know, what is it like when you're feeling completely defeated by life, you're in a wheelchair, you're facing the potential of lifelong disability. How do you find your way out? How do you find your way to hope and then move on to living your dreams? She's going to tell us all about that today. Anna Parker Naples is a best-selling author, 
of Podcast with Impact. So she's a fellow uh, host here. And Get Visible. She's a speaker, coach, and audio expert. She has a background as a multi-award winning audio producer and voice actor. Love that. She began working in the mindset and entrepreneurial space after going from disabled to fully recovered at the top of her field on the red carpets in the Hollywood. And she wants others to understand the potential of mindset and NLP, which we'll learn more about, to transfer to transform our levels of success through both strategy and mindset. She's the CEO of the Podcast Agency, a full consultancy and production service, and uses her knowledge to help experts reach the masses with their message, with a ripple effect that touches millions. It all started with her determination to heal, get visible, and thrive. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Anna Parker Naples. Hi, Anna. Hello. Thank you so much for a lovely introduction, Christine. It's so nice to have you here. And it's, you know, I, I, I'm always wondering how a person gets from uh, where they were to where they're at now, because I think for so many of us who are in the consciousness field, who are teaching people how to thrive, we often have a story of feeling defeated, mm-hmm. facing obstacles that we need to overcome. Can you share a little bit more with our listeners and viewers about the obstacle you were facing and and where you were at psychologically, physically, and why you found your way out in the way that you did? So I'm going to start by painting a bit of a picture of me 11 years ago. I was at a New Year's Eve party and it was one of the few times I'd left the house in a very, very long time other than to go to hospital. I'm heavily pregnant and... I'm in a wheelchair and I had one week before been told to expect I'd never walk again as a result of a complication in my third pregnancy. My my eldest daughter is four. She has over the last six months become my carer because my husband has to work full time. We have a really rambunctious, lively 18 month old who I've been told I now can't lift, I couldn't lift her physically. I wasn't allowed to cuddle her because my pelvis was um, really close to fracturing and (laughs) and, um, that that could have caused me to lose the baby I was pregnant with. We've gone to this, we've gone to this fancy dress party and we've gone dressed. My husband, the only reason I was, I would go there was because at the time we, my house couldn't accommodate me because we, it wasn't fitted for a wheelchair and all of those things. So we were living at my parents and one of my closest friends happened to live opposite and they were having a, an engagement party combined with the New Year's Eve celebration. And my parents and my husband said, Anna, you need to get out of bed. You need you need to do something other than feel as low as you are right now. So let's show up for somebody else. So we went to this party for about half an hour. But my compromise was this. I'm only going to attend that party if I don't have to wash or change my clothes. Because at that point, simple things like that were so hard mentally and physically. Right. So we went to this fancy dress party where, you know, we, we were at the time in our, our late 20s, early 30s. And everybody was, all the women there were dressed as fat girl and Wonder Woman and these kind of sexy, <laughs> sexy creatures. 
but because I'm refusing to get changed, we actually ended up going as a very famous comedy duo in the UK that I don't think that many of your audience would understand. But it was essentially this very overweight, bald figure who had um, kind of straggly ginger hair, but a completely bald top, and his, his carer who had a very curly wig. And that's how my husband and I went to this fancy dress party. Wow. And I remember looking around at everyone at this party and thinking the way I'm dressed right now represents how I feel about myself. I cannot stay like this. And it wasn't a question of, I can't cope with being in a wheelchair. It was more that I cannot feel this way about my life. It's not fair to my children. One of which isn't even with us yet. And so gradually then I made those decisions that I had to get out of the pit that I was kind of falling into. And what changed for me was as soon as baby arrived, I realized I'm still really depressed. I'm still not washing. I'm still in a tremendous amount of pain. But I decided that I would I would try anything. I got to that point, Christine, where I, something has to give. And so I went and saw a hypnotherapist that I'd been to years before for something else. So I kind of had an understanding that we can change how we think and how we feel. But that day he didn't put me under trance like you would think of it on a on a laying down bed or whatever but he talked to me and what I didn't know at the time was the way that we talked and we went kind of deep in and out of conversation he was using techniques from neuro-linguistic programming NLP and there were several things he really got me to think about the first was is it true that I'm always in pain which was a thing that I would talk about all the time I'm always in pain is it true that every single moment of your awareness, that's all you, you're aware of? And it wasn't true because there were other things that I was aware of too. What would happen if you could, I was an actor before I had my children. What would happen if you could still be a successful actor at home with your children in a wheelchair, getting your voice out on platforms around the world? What would that look like? And I kind of went, well, that's nuts, because all I want to do is be on stage at the Royal Shakespeare Company. And that's kind of been taken from me now. And he said, but what if, what if there was a way? And then the third thing he said, which at the time I found really hard to even contemplate. What if the doctors who told you that you are a case that could never walk again? What if they were not correct? What Mm. if your body has the ability to heal? And therein began a major journey for me transforming everything about my life. It wasn't overnight and it wasn't immediate, but I felt like I'd been switched on in some way. Mm. You know, I think that the stories that we tell ourselves can be incredibly detrimental. And for instance, believing doctors when they give you a death sentence, um, Mm believing our childhood programming that we can only attain certain level of success. Um, you know, there, there, there's so many stories we tell ourselves for a variety of reasons. And I know you, you talk about this in your book. How, how do we step outside of those stories? I think it's about recognizing that there's stories in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I went on to do a lot more work on how I was thinking and and what I was saying about myself 
And actually, I think one of the reasons I ended up in a wheelchair in the first place is I had a big story that I was always going to be overlooked. Now, as an actor in my early 20s, that fear that every, and I, you know, I'd constantly get feedback that I was really talented, but I'd, I'd, I'd often miss out on the big job right at the last minute. There'd be something and I didn't quite get the job. And when I came to understand that I was carrying this weight and this belief, uh, which then informs my body language, the way I connect with people, uh-huh. if I'm believing I'm going to be overlooked, I almost bring that in to the way that I hold myself and what happens in my outer experience. So starting to realize for me personally, well, what if I stop pretending I don't know my potential? What if I stop feeling really awkward about the fact, actually, I love using my voice? Uh-huh. And, and that goes back to, you know, things really early on in childhood. What if actually I become really comfortable with the fact that this is my skill, this is my gift, this is the thing I'm supposed to be doing mm-hmm. and allow myself to recognize those skills and talents? And so I talk a lot about getting visible. And for me, that yeah. is first and foremost seeing it for yourself you see right. yourself and you 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 cut out the language about oh but I'm not I'm not good enough at this and this always f- fails and um and all of the the societal negatives that we pick up without even realizing and that's where it starts noticing your noticing your fabrications yes and it's interesting it's, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword about um feeling not visible enough and wanting to become visible because it can be the the ego part of what pushes us forward. I think of myself as, you know, having been raised and feeling different within my family mm-hmm. and really wanting to be seen and heard. And then I go on to be teaching many and being on, you know, the, the, the radio, which is now also video. And it, it's, it's like this desire to heal the wound. Um, but there's, it, it it also comes with that not good enough, um, not deserving. And so it's this, it's this weird balancing act between letting it motivate us to move forward in acting or, you know, in teaching workshops, whatever, but also to heal the wound so that it doesn't keep us from really, um, you know, expanding into our soul success. I completely understand where you're coming from with that. And for me, my, my, my early journey of recovery, it was about saying, well, what if I have actually created this reality where it makes sense for me to be in a wheelchair because actually I can get attention that way. Now that's not to say, and that's a difficult thing to say out loud. That's not to say I wasn't in pain. That's not to say I was making it up because I wasn't, I I had, I had a big problem clearly. But noticing that I'm actually perpetuating that story for my own gain yes, allow, was, was a big eye opener for me. Mm-hmm. And I talked earlier, and, and as, as did you, you mentioned about that, that kind of ego thing and wanting to be seen within your own family. Uh-huh. Now, as a young child, uh, I was, I'm one of four, but my, my, fourth, my, my fourth sibling wasn't born for quite a lot young, lo- long time later. Uh-huh. When the three of us were growing up, I was the one who was a natural performer. 
So I'd want to be, particularly, it was all about voice and performing, standing up on the stage at school and reading out loud and the the tone of, of just speaking and, and, and I guess getting praise because it, it, it felt right and it felt good. But uh-huh. then in my home environment, that not being liked very much because that made me the show off. And I think a lot of a lot of natural teachers in the kind of performancey space, whatever uh-huh. we go on to do, a lot of people have actually experienced that feeling for themselves. And I think for me, my first brushes with NLP, neuro linguistic programming, took me to realize actually it's okay to allow myself to have those talents. Yes. Now, that for me becomes a strategic thing. So if I decide it's okay for me to use my voice, it's okay for me to to do this thing, this performance thing to the nth degree, then going after opportunities that were in Hollywood or in all across the world suddenly don't feel like something I'm going to be overlooked for. They become something that it's natural to place myself there, if that makes sense. It's that yeah, sense, of, sense of belonging. Yeah. But the interesting thing that happened for me, Christine, and I'm sure from having read your story and ha- having heard you talk about it on the show as well, is that when I I got to that kind of pivotal point, I'm literally in Hollywood, fully walking, fully recovered, up for my seventh award on the red carpet, wearing mm-hmm. the most stunning pair of heels that I've ever, <laughs> ever, ever worn in my life. And that's only six years later from that moment I thought it was all over. Mm-hmm. I was kind of having this almost out of body kind of awakening moment of, okay, so I've done everything the ego needs. I've done that. And now there's more. In order for this to have had some kind of meaning, I have a skill set, which is about talking, that I actually want to help others realize what they're doing. And so at that point, I kind of believed that I was leaving all of that audio work behind to become a motivational speaker, to write my first book and to get on lots of stages. And that always came from a place of, I guess, my own awakening that actually when we, once I'd recognized my ego could be salved and and soothed and get those things that it wanted, that there's much more that we can achieve. And Mm. actually I realized that 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 was just the beginning. Um, And then I I think, sorry. I, I think what you just said is a really important point that our ego can lead us to where we need to go, but it can be a jumping point from there. Yeah. So it's it's like, yes, there's there's you know a, a soul level aspect to being planted in a family where you're told, oh, you're a show off. And 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 so you you truly want to be seen and heard, partly because of soul, partly because of ego. The ego takes you you know, where you want to go. And then you realize, now what? Yeah. How do I serve? And so this is, this is a fascinating story. So, so when you realize that um, you had something to offer based on your journey, that was mm-hmm. partly led by ego, um, how did you transition to um, what you're doing now? Painfully. (laughs) So I was literally standing there on the red carpet, about as glamorous as I can possibly be, knowing that the next literally hour's time I'm flying back to the UK, kind of knowing I'm now going to leave this this space where I was booked around the clock. I had so much credibility and authority in that space. I was earning more money than most of my, my peers. 
And yet I'm going to walk away having to say to my husband, I don't know what's happened, but all that money I'm now making in that field, I'm done. And that was, that was kind of challenging to say that to, to family. This is, I'm going on a different path now. You have to trust me that this is completely right. Uh-huh. And I realized that I wanted to reach the masses. So how do you do that when I was known in a really kind of niche field? And I, I kind of sat around, I guess, for about six weeks thinking, I know it's just going to hit me. I'm going to work out how I do this. And I initially had this kind of light bulb moment that came out of almost nowhere. OK, I'm going to set up an online membership. And I know when I was a mum in those early stages, of being a mum and a parent when they're at preschool or nursery, I found that really hard to recognise my own talents particularly because I had this this belief that you couldn't be a really great mum and earn good money if um, and do the thing that you wanted to do. So a lot of it, you know, I think a lot of mums go through that. So I kind of thought, okay, I can get behind that because, you know, I'm a mum of three and I've changed lots of things around. So I started kind of an online business trying to reach those people. And I realized that I didn't have a clue how to run work anything in the online space. I didn't know anything about building a personal brand. I didn't understand anything about sales and persuasion techniques and influencing. But one thing I did know about was audio. And somebody said to me, well, why don't you start a podcast? Now, four, four and a bit years ago, podcasts weren't as popular as they are now. Right, right. Uh, and as you're as you're looking at me, Christine, you can see I'm sitting in what looks like a very posh recording studio. It's all padded uh-huh. up and we've got all the equipment. And this started off life as our airing cupboard where we keep the sheets and the duvets. But it was actually the only space in the house initially where we, in my wheelchair in the early days, I could actually get the wheelchair through and manoeuvre around. So this uh-huh. is always this this space I'm recording in right now has been a kind of really integral part of my my development if you like so I kind of just popped in here recorded a bit of audio whacked it up on apple and that's it hey presto I'm a podcaster uh-huh. except I didn't I didn't really know what I was doing and I didn't understand the mechanics um and I got really frustrated why aren't I reaching all these people that I want to help when some podcasts like John Lee Dumas or Joe Rogan they're reaching hundreds of thousands Why aren't I doing that? So again, the ego comes in, but also Mm -hmm. what felt, what feels like a soul-led mission. And so I kind of went on this journey of just throwing myself into learning everything about how I reach people. Um, And in that kind of wonderful way, I'm still resisting. I'm still resisting the idea of teaching people about audio. I'm still going, that's my old life. I still want to reach mums to motivate, inspire, change. Uh And bit by bit, people kept coming and saying, I really want your help with my podcast. I really want your help with my podcast. Uh And I kept thinking, but I don't want to do audio. I don't want to teach microphones and technology. I I want to change people's lives. Sure. And then I had this kind of moment of, oh, okay. I can do both. It's the same thing. Because if I teach other people who want to be motivational speakers and authors and help them disseminate their message that can transform lives, actually, I'm, I'm fulfilling my soul mission with all of the background that actually is a big part of this journey of how I myself have evolved. And, yeah. that's and, and think, think about the, the positive ripple effect, too, because 
it's not just about you reaching your audience. It's about all of them reaching theirs. Yeah. And so now we are now, and again, this whole journey has evolved. And very often it's been little nudges along the way. Um, For example, I read a book on podcasting a couple of years ago. And I remember sitting in my dad's garden and saying, it's really making me quite cross that this book is lacking in information. Uh Why isn't someone teaching it? And then it was like a little voice went, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Right. And, and, and then, you know, my business has just taken off. We've from there, just, we've launched so many shows. I think in the last 18 months, we've helped something like 170 podcasters reach chart topping positions all around the world. We've Fabulous. reached millions and millions of people as a result of the shows that I've, I've helped produce and consult on, which gives me far more reach than me on my own could ever achieve. Absolutely. So, so what do you focus on? Is it, is it really the, the sound and the technology and the, the process of podcasting? Well, actually, when we work, on, when we work in, in my agency, we actually start with the mission and the message. So I found this amazing way. I actually went on to qualify in, as a master of NLP, neurolinguistic programming. And uh-huh. it really helped me get so clear on my own mission, my own message, the wording around it. So we actually start a, a purposeful podcast at that point. Who are you actually trying to reach? What do you uh-huh. actually want them to do? How do you want them to feel? What are you waking up in them? Uh-huh. which is really different to starting with the, here's how you plug in your microphone. We do sure. that too, right? but we get crystal clear on, right? If this is often, often people I'm working with know that they're here or are waking up to that, that possibility that they're here to help transform other people, whether uh-huh. they are using the language around, you know, it being soul led work, whether that's something they're comfortable with expressing yet I might see that that's actually what they're doing. And that helps me with my mission. So we always start there. What are you doing it for in terms of your your legacy, but living it right now? In terms of your business and the immediate change you can make to your life, how can we make a podcast work for that? Mm -hmm. And also make helping people be really courageous with being visible. I talk a lot about this visibility thing. Yeah. And we're going to talk more about that in the second half hour um, cause I know you talk about that, that in your book and, uh, we want to learn more about that and about NLP and about how we can strategize our way to success. And I mean, soul led success. Yes. Stay tuned for more with Anna Parker Naples. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a stellar reflections minute. What does the word healing mean? Many think that healing merely means eliminating symptoms. However, based on my many years as a healer, I have a much broader perspective on the word. Healing can manifest in a variety of ways, including having physical problems resolved, becoming more emotionally centered, experiencing better relationships, gaining greater clarity, and feeling more spiritually connected. True healing always includes some level of transformation. Whatever form healing takes, there is one commonality, an improvement in quality of life. To me, the highest form of healing goes beyond aligning with wellness. It comes from recognizing our soul's voice and allowing it to speak through us. And in that sense, don't we all yearn to heal into our wholeness? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. 
When you lose a child, you find yourself part of a club that you never chose to join. There is a way to find meaning and joy in your life again. Jen Ripa has created a six-week sacred grief system, helping you let go of grief, heal with compassion, and understand what's available to you in the rest of your life. It can feel scary acknowledging that a part of you wants to move forward because you're not sure how to do it in a way that honors your child. The good news is that when you allow yourself to address your grief in a multi-sensory way, you can transition from sadness, regret, and hopelessness into a life that gives you peace, joy, and meaning. Jennifer understands with deep compassion how you're feeling because she's been there. For more information about the Sacred Grief Course, visit thriveology.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-O-L-O-G-I-E dot com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here at 1150 a.m. KKNW in the beautiful Seattle area and on TransformationTalkRadio.com around the world. I'm talking to Anna Parker Naples. And we are talking about um, how to have an impact based on our own intermissions, not inter intermission, but inner mission. And Anna, before the break, you were talking about how you coach people and you do it within the context of podcasts, but I know this could be applied to anything, mm -hmm. how you coach people to look at what that soul mission is to try to figure out direction to go and um, how to how to create that soul mission into a physical reality. Can you share with our listeners and viewers a little bit more about um, how we explore that and 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 move it forward? So I come from an NLP based background now in terms of my coaching work, which is about a helping people access the words, the beliefs, the stories that are associated with how they're functioning in the world. And actually by questioning someone in a very particular way and, and keeping them on course on one topic rather than allowing them to digress or when it gets uncomfortable to change, to, uh -huh. to change scenario. We, we all know that, that when something gets a little bit tricky, we'll just talk about something else. But actually keeping people on mission and just asking them, why does that matter to you? Why is that important? And whatever they tell you, well, what does that mean? What does that get you? Why is that important for you to do and to bring out into the world? And what often happens is you kind of go up and up and up into people's thought processes. You're actually taking them into a, a degree of a really light level of trance. Trance being a, a very normal state of, uh, of our 
consciousness that we dip in and out of all the time quite naturally the kind of state you're in when you daydream and and often when people are in that state they can very easily access what they're here to do what the purpose of the world is why they are here in the world very often the words that come up for people are freedom peace love Mm. joy Mm. and what else is there more in the world than that and once you get someone to verbalize in this kind of conscious semi-conscious subconscious state that that is actually at the core of their own belief system that that is really the true them and all the other limiting beliefs and stories that have sabotaged them in the past well very quickly when someone's articulated that and been aware of it consciously at the same time all sorts of amazing magic happens and for me I think it's that magic that then helps people work out Okay, so if this is what I want to do in the world, if this is actually what matters in the world, why am I scared about verbalizing that? Why am I scared about putting that Mm. out into the world? Because actually, that's the thing the world needs. And that's the thing I know I can bring out. It's really powerful work. And for me, that work getting really clear on my my thoughts and my thinking has, has been the catalyst for me having my own awakenings. Mm. Um, And so I I facilitate that. So how do we get in our own way? What, how do we sabotage? What, what does sabotage, self-sabotage look like? So self-sabotage can be when you've had a really great idea for something and you know it feels right and you've got these impulses saying, come on, this is exciting, you've got to go for it. But then you've got the voices around you or in your own head saying, hold on, you can't do this. Who do you think you are? Who do you think Mm -hmm. you are that you can achieve that? The old unworthiness thing, yes. Yes, absolutely. And then because you will verbalize some fear out loud about yourself, and often this happens actually in a self-denigrating humor kind of way where we make a little joke about, ha, 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 what am I thinking? How could I ever do that? Right we might well be looking for external validation but in doing that in making those comments ourselves we're actually telling our brain oh we're running that program now we're running the program where we can't be successful where we can't achieve the thing that we want where we're not good enough and we're so used to doing the behaviors that surround that that it stops us then going out and being expansive in the world and being adventurous and playful right right okay so how do we tap into that trance state that you're talking about um, in order so for, to kind of connect with that? The, the ener- I think of it as the energetics of yeah. the connection to soul, that, that mission. So I think there, there are many ways to tap into that. There's through meditation and mindfulness. Uh, hypnosis works really well for some people, which can be self-hypnosis using to, you know, listening to guided um, meditations and tapes. But I think uh-huh. being with someone who facilitates this in person is just so powerful because they have the skill to make sure that you're safe and that um, you're taking those learnings about yourself to, to, to the nth degree. Uh, so for me, I'm a huge fan of NLP, um, R- RTT, Rapid Transformational Therapy, anything I, where you don't know I that one. Haven't okay. heard, I haven't heard about it. And I, we haven't talked about that on the show. What is that? Rapid Transformational Therapy is a blend of, it's run by a lady called Marissa Peer, who she has got a really big, she is British, but she has a really big global following. Uh-huh. She created a kind of hybrid between 
NLP, hypnosis, timeline therapy, and some other smaller therapies that uh, were kind of coming to the fore within neuroscience as well. And she's kind of put them, amalgamated them all together. But the, they're all kind of talking based, word based, mm-hmm. but not in terms of a therapy where you just go to your therapist and you talk a bit, talk it through. It's always to make a change in the brain, to stimulate a new neural, a new neural connection, a new neural pathway, a new synaptic uh-huh. response, so that right. uh, so that you you kind of get on the right track, the one that you were supposed to be on in the first place before all of the, the limiting beliefs cropped up. So it's, it's, really it's, fascinating. it's a way of, of neurologically changing our belief systems and, and getting it programmed in there so that, that we don't fall back into the old ones. Yeah, yes. And I think, yeah. I think when, if you do any limiting belief work, you very quickly realize, well, that's who I'm supposed to be. That's what I'm supposed to be doing, which feels very connected with the kind of other work, the spiritual work. Yes. But it, for me, it's almost where the spirituality meets the brain connection and the and the sciencey stuff i think there's a a wonderful kind of, and i'm sure with your work christine the crossovers are undeniable in how Absolutely. the brain functions and the connection to source and it's it, it's interesting because i've um participated in um, many studies that have looked at the science of spirituality of healing and it's all very real. I think that it's, you know, clearly that there's a lot of science in that's out there about the, the neural connections and um, how that works. But I think that it's all scientific. It's just some of it we have not learned how to evaluate mm-hmm. and assess. We don't yet have the capability to understand Yes. what we don't yet have the capability to understand exactly but it's there and, and we can feel it and know mm. it mm. um and and i uh, what i love is, and i'm sure you're aware of this christine so many more people are becoming aware of their own potential of their own possibility of their own connection right. whether they easily use words such as awakening spirituality conscious creation whether that that is the vernacular that they're comfortable with. There are more people, you know, turning to self-help books, turning to um, listen to meditation. And this can only be a, an amazing thing for the planet. Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, when, when I'm talking about that need, that need to get visible, so that's the name of my book, that's the name of my podcast. Right. Yes, you do want to get visible. You want to see for yourself your own potential but then also not be afraid or fearful of showing others your potential yeah so I I work with a lot of um a lot of coaches and um people who are doing really transformative work Mm -hmm. but they're still fearful about on social media really talking about it and bigging themselves Uh up yeah and yet if you don't tell people the capacity you have to help them change or grow or have whatever they're going to have, be it in terms of your knowledge about money or relationships or finance or anything. If you Uh aren't visible, how can you be that lighthouse of hope to somebody else? Um, And, and so I really encourage people strategically to think about how can you let more people know about you? Because that's how we change the world. And what came up for me there was the the old unworthiness 
um, stuff that comes up and it's often rooted in childhood. Yeah. I think it's also rooted in, in our culture in a variety of ways. How do we go about reprogramming that? I'm going to go back to something I said at the beginning. It's all about the stories. So I shared, I shared with you and with your listeners that right at the beginning of my journey, this, this NLP hypnosis guy is saying to me, what if it's not true that you're in pain all the time? And I'd just like to kind of elaborate a little bit about what happened for me at that point, if I may, because I think while I'm talking about pain and healing, it actually, you can take this and think, okay, how am I applying that in my own life? So I, at this point, I'm desperately unhappy and really in pain. So all the time to justify the fact that I'm in pain and that I can't help with the children and I can't do the shopping or the cooking or all of those things. When my husband comes home from work, what's the first thing I say? Oh, I've had such an awful day. I'm in so much pain. I'm so sorry. I'm such a burden. And on and on and on and on. So, of course, what's the ripple effect of that on things at home? It's not great. Yeah. So what this guy said to me was, well, what were you doing this morning before you came to this session? Mm -hmm. Um. And I thought oh, I was I was watching some TV. I was sat on the sofa in my little spot with the only place I went to other than being in bed. He said, OK, what was what was on TV? And there was a, a it was this morning, which is a little bit, you know, the kind of standard morning breakfast TV. And he said, OK, so what happened? And so I described what was going on on the TV. And he said, OK, uh-huh. so when you were watching that storyline, where was your pain? And I kind of went, oh, OK, that's really interesting because. In that moment, I'm not aware of the pain. And yet, if someone had come into that room at the time and said to me, Anna, how are you today? Which was something quite Uh common that my parents or helpers or friends would come and ask, how are you today? Like that, you know, are you bad bad today? I would immediately go to the point of my pain in my pelvis and go, oh God, it's terrible. It's so bad. And Mm -hmm. it's everything and it's taking over my life but it wasn't because I'd just been engrossed seconds before in the television program. Yeah. So he challenged me, well, what would happen if you stopped talking about the stuff that's rubbish in your life, which for me was the pain. And what would happen Uh if you reframed it? Now I was really, really low before I went to see him and I was pretty Mm -hmm. much about as low as you can get. And I was determined for my children's sake to try anything. So I came home that night and I said to my husband, I want to give this a go. I want us to fully go for it. Things have to get better. Mm -hmm. So we thanked my parents, asked them not to ask me how I was anymore. Now, that was hard. That was really hard. They've been looking after me and the children for 18 months. I couldn't get out of bed on my own. Um, And we said to my friends, please don't ask how I am. If you want to know, just ask Jeff. And we put in this this system that I wasn't allowed to say to even my husband that I was in pain. The Uh only phrase I was allowed to use if I was having a particularly challenging day was to say, Jeff, I'm having a healing day. And that Mm. would be it. That would be the only thing I was allowed to say. Which meant so, that, yeah, I mean, that's a massive shift. Yeah. And, and I, I want to underscore the importance of what you're talking about here, because oftentimes we benefit in one way or another from something that's going on, even when it's negative. And 
you know, many, many years ago when I was experiencing the early stages of cancer, I was also working on my doctoral dissertation in mathematical statistics. And somebody asked me, uh, are you going to finish your dissertation? And I found myself saying, well, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to finish it if it kills me. And I realized that it was. And I also realized that growing up, the way I'd get out of school would be, you know, sore throat, a tummy ache. But for, with graduate school, if you need an, an excuse to get out, then, you know, you, you actually would have to manifest something bigger. So there it was, my excuse for not finishing my dissertation. So I was getting something out of it. And within three weeks of leaving my doctoral program, even though it was incredibly close to having my PhD, um, all of my cancerous lesions disappeared. So, you know, it's not that we should blame people when they're experiencing some sort of trauma in their life or, or you know, illness, but we do need to ask ourselves, how do I benefit from the attention? Yeah. How do I benefit oh. from this dysfunction? Because oftentimes we do, like you're saying. Yeah, totally. And in fact, I've just gone back and done some more work around something else I've been experiencing. These things don't, sometimes you don't do this mindset work and have this understanding and then oh, that's it. You're perfect. Your whole life is just a, a breeze. Right, I've been right. experiencing some really intense migraines. But actually mm. there was a big payoff. There's been a big payoff for me. So I've gone deep and, and looked at well, what was my first association with migraines? What are these protecting me from? What do they allow me to do that secretly I enjoy that is the payoff? Uh -huh. And for me, again, it, for, for me, it was about how do I get affection and attention? Because there's an mm. old there's an old story there for me that's obviously yeah. very deep, deep rooted. Um, and, and actually realizing that the attention I get isn't actually the kind of attention I want. I want people to be out being joyful and adventurous with me. But sometimes our brains just help us to do stuff that actually isn't good for us. Right. And it's about noticing what's the story here. And like you say, what's the story? What's the payoff? Is that payoff actually helping me to manifest is the wrong word, but to express who I really am whilst mm. I'm in this body? Is yeah. it actually letting me do that? And for me, lying down in my bed in the fetal position with a migraine does not allow me to express what I'm here to do. It's a protection yeah. mechanism. Yeah, that's so insightful, Anna. Before we go any further, I want to make sure our listeners and viewers know how they can connect with you. What's your website? My website, I have two. So annaparkernaples.com is the one to find out about me and the podcast agency, if you're interested in helping have a purposeful podcast, because that's what, ah. that's what makes me tick. And I know that your um, two last names are hyphenated. Is there a hyphen in the website? No, not in the website. All just okay. one word. Okay. Okay, great. All right. So let's say that we are um, finding our way to our mission. We're starting to see some of the obstacles that in certain ways may be self-created. How do we move forward with the greater and more fulfilling self-expression? I actually think it does come down to joy. So many people are trapped in lives that they don't like because uh -huh. they think they should, they think they have to, they think they have to do it because that's what their mum wanted. Right. Your own, potentially, depending on your model of the world, you're in this life once. Who are you living it for? Right. And 
And why do you have to suffer in that life? Mm. And what would happen if you expressed more of who you are? And and um, what would probably happen is that you will inspire more people. You will touch more lives. You will feel that what you're here, what you're doing right here ma- now matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and isn't that what we all want to have a life that matters? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the, the old adage, the Marianne Williamson thing about being afraid of our greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that quote. I, I do too. And, and I think it's absolutely true. I've, I have, you know, I've clipped my own wings many times because I'm afraid of my greatness. So I, I know that it's something that is, that can be self-imposed and I have done it myself. Um, how do we get beyond that kind of self-sabotage because we're afraid of our greatness? I think you've got to surround yourself with other people on equally powerful missions that are pushing their own comfort zones. Those people are out there in masterminds. They're on the courses that you've been nudged to go and take part in. They are narrating the books that you're listening to on audible they are on the podcast that you're listening to as you walk your dog or you take your shower surround yourself with the positive messages until you're ready to step out into the world and really claim who you are Mm -hmm. and I think that that's such an important message about um, hanging out or um, being around people and even you know the podcast we there's a vibration associated with it. not just the yes. verbal messages but there's a certain vibration to it that makes it makes us sort of entrained to it mm-hmm. and it's the kind of thing where um if it's okay for others to be great to fully express themselves in one way or another whether it's artistic expression or um, through you know business success whatever it is or relationship success that like feeling into that example is um, is a really important kind of entrainment I think as well it's about noticing I talked about following your joy but also noticing your anger what is it that makes you irritated that someone else is doing and you aren't what makes you jealous? Because there's yeah. a story there. There's a story there about what you aren't manifesting or expressing in your own life. And what would happen right. if you allowed yourself to play with that without worrying about being perfect? Perfectionism is a major obstacle to uh, people not doing what they want. Yes. And it, you know, it's something that I've been battling with for the longest time. And I recognize that it came from um, not getting the attention and the love that I felt like I I needed. And so if I were, if I got, you know, perfect grades, if I did better at the piano recital, whatever it was, then um, somehow it would be more lovable. And that doesn't actually, that, that sense of being lovable, actually, when you do this deeper work, you realize that that has to come from you. Absolutely. It has to come from you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so in your book, I know that you offer various types of exercises and and, um, Mm -hmm. some really insightful things. Um, From the the cover of your book to the end of of the book, what do you hope that your reader will experience? Many readers experience a kind of recognition for the first time 
where they're holding themselves back. And often these are actually creative things that was, were criticised for them, be it the singing or the dancing when they were really young, be it playing the recorder, be it doing a little doodle, a little drawing that they've shown a parent or a teacher and it's been criticised. And so they decide, I can't do that anymore. Now, right. what if that, that girl who was drawing a house when she's age four actually inside was going to become an incredible designer of I don't know a whole new vision of the way that we could have architecture and Uh yet because that suppression that fear of rejection that fear of not being good enough that little girl has never gone on to develop those talents because she's scared and yet she knows that's the thing that she most wants it's those little stories of recognition. What's the story I told myself then? Where have I been telling myself that story my whole life? And what nudges do I have to maybe reacquaint myself with that? Yeah. And I often think that um, when we're growing up w- within the context of the tribe of our family to within the context of the tribe of our peers, you know, when we're teenagers and, and older, that we're afraid of how we are different. And yet... Yeah how we are different is often the gift that we are to share with the world. I would absolutely 100% agree with that. And I think that many of us who go on to be leaders in our own spaces, whatever leadership looks like to those of you listening, Uh many of us felt very different. And I think the reason we felt different was because we have an innate ability, an innate ability to lead, to teach people whatever it is that needs to be taught and I'm not sure. meaning the academic stuff here I'm I'm sure. talking about leading people that there's something more to them and yeah. when I talked earlier about many people awakening or becoming more conscious of their own potential that's happening on a global scale yeah. but some thank- of us have done it earlier than others yeah thank goodness <laughs> for that and um, I want to thank you again Anna for being on the show and it's annaparkernaples.com. And what was the other website? The, the podcastagency.com. The podcastagency.com. And uh, thank you so much. And folks, in just a few minutes, I'm going to be getting on Instagram Live to talk about the Academy of Divine Knowledge and my motivation for teaching over there. Anna, thanks again for joining us. I'm so grateful for what you're doing and your mission and, and how you're contributing to the world. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. And thank you, viewers and listeners. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com, where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.